This is Unfinished Business, episode 36. It wouldn't be possible without our sponsor this week, Blush. Blush does beautiful letterpress printing of cards, stationery and more for designers and artists. We'll tell you more about Blush later in the show. Today's Friday the 13th, September 2013. Oh, yikes. Are you superstitious? A little bit. Well, the kind of touch wood and... Throwing salt and yes, my the only suspicion superstition I have is Friday the thirteenth, and that I do kind of spend the day waiting for some terrible disaster to happen. Which actually, have you seen Mark Bolton's Twitter stream today? Mm-hmm. Um, in that yeah. he was almost well, he was standing at a bus stop, and uh, a truck went into it, basically. Um, <laughs> which yeah. you mustn't laugh. We mustn't laugh because. <laughs> That is a typical Friday the 13th thing to happen. Obviously, you know, accidents happen every day. But you just look at that and think, oh. <laughs> it was literally a few yards away from it. And, uh, yeah, fortunately oh. no one was hurt, but it's a pretty oh. horrific photo. So, Oh, my word. My nana, bless her, used to tell me off for cutting my toenails on a Sunday. Did you ever get that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> she, used to be, she, she used to have this thing. She used to say, cut them on a Sunday, you cut for evil. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, apparently. Because, <laughs> you know, for all of the next week, you'll be ruled by the devil. That was... Wow. She didn't, she didn't speak like that. But, yeah, but she was she was a, a real superstitious... And she was, right. she was right. Nice. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> <laughs> we can trace it back now. We can trace back to where the evil started. <laughs> oh, Such a yeah, simple thing. My fiendish, devilish plan. It's <laughs> coming world domination. Oh, Fantastic. No, nothing nothing quite as bad as that. Only things like if you don't eat your crust, your hair won't go curly. And I, what? And I didn't eat my crust and my hair did go curly. So so maybe I should have eaten my crust and my hair had gone straight like I wanted. So anyway. Let's talk about iPhones. Okay. Are you excited? Um... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not that much. No. I was excited before, actually. I did think this time round, I thought there'll be something. I think, ah, oh, yeah, lovely. Let's do that. Let's go for it. Because I've, I've got an iPhone 4, which I bought outright when it came, first came out. So that's over three years ago now. Um, so there's been a few revisions in between. Uh, the back of it's all shattered, and it's all kept together with um, sellotape. Like kind of not nice magic tape, you know, that kind of matte finish stuff. Um, and it's getting a bit slow, a bit sluggish. The battery doesn't last very well. And so I was really hoping this year for a good upgrade that I would be really excited about, but, um, it hasn't quite happened. I mean, what do you, what are your feelings? Are you having any kind of tinglings in your body of moistness and excitement? Well, what can I say? Um, I mean, no, see, I'm, iPhone, yeah. I'm using, it's a family show. Oh, sorry, um, sorry. I'm I'm using a borrowed iPhone 4 because from my friend Richard, who kindly lent it to me, because obviously I got robbed in Geneva earlier on yes, in the year. Did you yeah, see this? I and, did, yeah. And my 4S was the thing that I lost. And going back to a 4, I really noticed the speed. Right. Um, and there's, there's a few things about the iPhone 4 which it, you know, it, it's laggy and the camera's not as good as the 4S. Definitely. Um, and it's not my phone. Yeah. So I have to give it <laughs> <Yes>. back. <laughs> so when you read so, people, does it go to a different number? Is it dependent? <laughs> no, no, no. no. It's, it's the same thing. But, oh. So I am actually good because the insurance paid out ultimately. Um, right. So yeah. I'm going to buy a new phone. Okay. Um, so I think I'm going to go white this time. I've never gone white before. Okay. Are you getting 5C or 5S? Uh, I think it's got to be a 5S. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to go gold. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. Who is? <laughs> no, well, some people will. I think they're going to sell a yes, ton of those there is in a, Essex. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I do know people that would do it. And as a friend of mine said, if you want to see that in, in real life, go to Blister Village the week after it's... Uh, released and that's where you'll see loads mm. you see i've been i've always always had black ones yeah um but i think that i'm gonna go white this time because i think it's gonna look quite nice with ios 7 right okay yeah i see <laughs> have you have you gone white or were you well, always a black guy i've always gone black um, and I do actually like the idea of the coloured ones. I particularly, I'm a big fan of yellow and black as a, as a colour combination. Uh, it's just really startling. And, um, that reason I've been thinking recently about Nokia Lumias. I actually ended up picking up a, a Lumia, uh, off eBay 
as a testing device. I've been doing a lot of work with Windows 8. So uh, I needed the phone and a tablet. Uh, and in the course of using this Lumia, I've actually, you know, I really like it. The phone, the, the camera is fantastic. The operating system I really enjoy, even though it's, you know, obviously Windows. And um, uh, the App Store isn't the most, I mean, it's not as bad as BlackBerry. But there isn't, you know, an app for everything, you know, every equivalent I use on the on the iPhone. Um, and I've, I've got a little pay-as-you-go SIM in it. I've actually used it a fair bit, you know, especially use it for been on holiday or taking pictures. Trouble, the only trouble with it is, is it's bloody heavy. It's really, it's a real, it's a real tank of a, a device. I don't know if you've ever felt one. But uh, Is this the... One that's got like the forty-eight megapixel camera. In it. Like, yeah, like, like that. I mean, the new ones, I think, have um, decreased the weight a bit. Um, and the, the but the, the weight is the nine twenty that I've got. Um, the, it, it is a heavy device, but this is the, the one thing that I really enjoy about it compared to the iPhone is the form factor. It's the rounded edges, and it's something that I think the first iPhone got spot on. You know, it felt so nice in your hand, but I felt since the four, it's gone for this quite sharp edge, and mm. I really don't like that very much. I mean, I kind I've of... actually got an original first-gen iPhone in my hand right now, and I, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, but no, because and I, yeah. I don't know why, stupidly, yeah. but it sits in its original dock with the original Bluetooth earpiece on my desk, charged up the whole time. I mean, there's no SIM in it; I might use it for testing, but it's lovely. I really yeah. love the, the feel of it. It's it's that sort of that warmth or organic feel. You know, it feels like something that's you know will just get sort of more worn in your pocket, like a pebble. You know, the way sort of pebbles mm. get kind of worn over time. And oh, it's lovely. You know, and the Lumia's got that kind of when you hold it in your hand. And apart from that, it's quite big and it's heavy. It's it's got that roundness. And I was really hoping that Apple might go back to something like that this time, but they've really stuck with the the same sort of form factor. It might be that the plastic on the 5C feels like that in your hand because it's got slightly more rounded edges than, yeah. the, than the S. I don't know. Very slightly. I mean, I've got a case for the phone, the iPhone 4, which could have the back shattered. Uh, it's got that kind of same kind of radius, I think. And it is, it's okay. But yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm, the jury's out and I'm not sure if I'm going to upgrade this time. Um, cause my phone for is actually still working and I tried, I did a restore this morning. I raised it completely, restored it. And it's certainly, it's pepped the speed up a lot, much less sluggish, but obviously it's not going to get me better camera. So yeah. I'd have been quite happy to not be spending 500 quid on a new phone. <laughs> I, you know, cause I could have kept me 4S for another year or two. I mean, it's, yes. It, it was yeah. Good, yeah. So you were, Slightly dubious about the iPhone when it was first announced, I seem to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Not sort of Steve Barmer hysterical dubious. (laughs) Yeah, same kind of sweaty armpits, but yeah. But I remember you did this thing. It was the first thing I remember seeing after the iPhone was announced, and you did this. Did you do a mock up or something where you put fake fingerprints all over and scratches and that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I'm like, and you, you, yeah, touchscreens look lovely until you touch them. I yeah, think you said. yeah. I mean, it's you know, uh, of course that is the case. <laughs> but like looking, it's looking at mine at the moment in the light. I mean, apart from the fact that I'm constantly um, uh, wiping it, I do that old person's thing that people do with their glasses. You know, they breathe on it and then wipe it to get that little bit of like water vapor on the surface. Do you do that? Be careful what you say about old people, because I've actually had to take to wearing my glasses on a string around my neck. <laughs> <laughs> now, because <that's> the <laughs> they are constantly because I can't I can't read with them on anymore. Nice. Um, I use them for distance, but I can't read close up with them anymore. So they're constantly like coming on and off my nose. So yeah, I have gone a bit Larry Grayson with the string. It's <laughs> a good job. It's radio. <laughs> yeah. That's a good mental image I've got, you know. Anyway, okay. But you, you, know, you know, I think that you know, you're always, you're always cleaning it. And I'm looking at it at the moment and it's, it's filthy, even though I cleaned it about an hour ago. And you know, there's a big, there's a few scratches, but actually the scratches aren't too bad. And, you know, it, it's okay, isn't it? It's not. A, it's not a big problem. It was just. A bit, it was a bit of a joke at the time, really. But 
I like that phone blocks thing that you emailed me about. Yeah. Now, this is almost like sort of combining phone with Lego, or um, there's a thing that I can't remember what's that, that um, Brendan Dawes linked to ages ago. I think it's called Little Bits or Little Things, which is kind of like these little electronic building blocks that you can put together. Uh, but yeah, the phone blocks idea is the same kind of thing that, you know, you have your little modules, like your memory, your camera, um, uh, processor, and that kind of thing, or screen. And that when you want to upgrade, you just change that block, you mm. know. So for example, at the moment, like with my phone, if I find, yeah, it's sort of fast enough, um, but I would love a better camera, I can just upgrade that camera module. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a Kickstarter idea at the moment. But I don't see any reason why it couldn't be an actual viable product. No, I'll put a link in the... It's a YouTube video. I'll put a link Mm. in the show notes for listeners. Yeah, I mean... In case they haven't seen it. It's one of these things that, obviously, uh, to be really sustainable, you'd have to have some kind of recycling um, system. So if if you did replace the camera, you'd have to have somewhere to send the camera block back to be, uh, you know, either recycled or, you know, I suppose you could sell it on, you know, um, pass it on to someone else. Uh, but it, it's a good idea. And it, no, because, I mean, you spend a lot of money on these things. I mean, like this first-gen iPhone here, which still works. I mean, it's a bit scuffed up. Mm. But, you know, it still works. But what a waste. Yeah. Well, this is really... really I mean, have you seen those, those photos of the big, like, um, electronic device waste disposal places mm. like you know the third world countries like, huge mounds of um of, of electronics have just chucked you know you've got things like crt monitors now that have just been you know put onto skips um and you know there's this sort of slave labor with people sort of trying to get the gold and the things like chips um and scrapping around in these big piles but it's one of the biggest um landfill problems in the world now is these all this stuff being chucked, you know. Well, I saw on, I think it was on BBC. Aye, uh, earlier, earlier today, uh, Voyager, the space probe. Oh, yeah. As finally, they've said, finally left our solar system and heading out now into interstellar space. <laughs> what's, it it's been, been, what's it been doing all this time? Has it well, been it's do- been floating. <laughs> it does a million miles a day, this thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they launched it 36 years ago, and it's still sending back, you know, messages. Um, from however far it's got to. Right. And it's like, if they can make a probe that can go into deep space, you know, and last 36 years, what about my washing machine? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the toasters. I mean, kettles and toasters seem to be the ones that boys break for us the most. Um, and every time I think, oh, I'm a man, I can fix this. And, you know, I start taking things apart or, you know, there's a good sites online like eSpares where you can, you know, you find the exact model of some bizarre appliance you've got and drill down to find the little nub or, you know, widget or flange that you need. And here's the video of how to install the flange and um, that kind of thing. You think, oh, brilliant. Are you handy with a soldering iron? No, I'm rubbish with a soldering iron. <laughs> <laughs> but if it screws, I can, you know, I can unscrew it. <laughs> And that kind of thing. But no, I, there's I, a show title right there. <laughs> <laughs> I should, yeah. I, yes, I should explain to those listeners mm-hmm. that you're not Anna Debenham. Oh, really? Sorry, yeah, because I'm done here. Anna, <laughs> Anna's left. Anna's left me in charge <laughs> this week, so I'm joined by designer, icon artist, and author of the fabulous Icon Handbook. <laughs> Cyclist and possibly Doctor Who's next companion. <laughs> it's not. It's not been announced yet, but anything's possible. Anything yeah. could happen. It's John Hicks. Hello. 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 <laughs> it's I was. The, no. When was the last time Doctor Who had a male companion? Uh, well, okay. Being nerdy about this, you could say that Mickey was. So that was two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Uh, but well, he was more really, a hanger-on more than a companion. So. He was more of a companion's companion. Yeah, and I suppose you could say actually that, um, uh, oh, what's his face? You've forgotten his Rory. name already. Rory uh, was a male companion. But again, I think he was more of a bit of a hanger on. He was kind of like, he came because Amy was there, you know. Was, mm. So an actual proper male companion, I think we're talking about Turlow in the Peter Davison era. Really? Yeah, I think I don't so. Remember him. I'm, I'm thinking back over my, yeah. Because. There was. 
there was that bloke that had a socket in his head from there was an episode with Christopher Eccleston on uh, a TV news station where they yes. had like this. Yeah. Yeah. He, but he was in it for one episode and then yeah. they blew him off. So get you. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Um, sorry, this is, I thought this to become a carry on episode. I'm just going to try and, try and curb my, <laughs> try and curb my natural, you know, tendency to sort of, you know, spot double entendres wherever they go. Um, yeah, so he was in for one episode. See, again, that was, it wasn't really a proper companion, you know, it wasn't no. a travelling one. So, yeah. What about Captain Jack Harkness? Well, again, he was kind of a recurring character, but didn't particularly go in the TARDIS much. And in fact, the Doctor tried to avoid him for quite a long time. So, um, so I suppose actually, if you're saying, you know, last male in the TARDIS, I suppose actually you could say, well, there's been loads. <laughs> but a proper companion, you know, a proper, as a proper companion, someone who wasn't just a hanger on because some, the, because the lady, the friend was there. Um, yeah, that's, that's Peter Dawson. So we were talking in 19, early 1980s. I didn't watch it back then because I'd kind of, I was at that age when, because I, John Pertwee was my doctor. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm old. Um, and I didn't watch the Peter Davidson stuff. Right. Yeah. So I don't know who that was. And you didn't watch Tom Baker? Uh, I watched Tom Baker kind of, you know, probably about halfway through, I suppose. Yeah. There was some, uh, I can remember that. But there was, and this, I'm a little bit young for this even, but there was Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor. Mm-hmm. He had a full-time male companion. Yeah, exactly. It was it was Fraser Hines yeah, before Jimmy. he... He, before he left the TARDIS for Emmerdale Farm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those sort of typical setups, isn't it? You know, they, they, they don't have many male companions. I mean, actually, there was a few, like, in Tom Baker's era. Um, I would say there's one in Peter Davison's, but by the time you got to Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, it was all girls. So, um, it's one of these things that would have been interesting, I think, to, to have a male companion, because you do get the feeling that they choose um, what my, my dad would call a dolly bird, <laughs> to, you know, to, to be the companion rather than someone that might be interesting. Although I suppose, because they had Donna like a couple, a couple of years ago, you know. She was interesting. Yeah, she broke the mold a little bit because, um, you know, she wasn't that kind of like, you know, Billy Piper or Jenny Coleman, you know, it's, yeah, it's something a little bit, someone a bit, a little bit older and a bit, but a bit of a different take. So someone didn't like, like, Look, look at the doctor doughy eyed and in love and, you know, that she was a bit feisty and a bit kind of aggressive towards him. <laughs> I remember Leela. Well, yes. She had a, she had, she had a little leopard skin. <laughs> yes. What do you think about, about the new one? The Peter Capaldi or Matt Smith? Yes. I was really chuffed about Peter Capaldi. Um, at the time, I, you probably saw a lot of this as well and you may have felt it. A lot of people were moaning about the fact that, you know, it's another white male. Um, it's, you know, why couldn't we have a uh, black lesbian playing the doctor this time? And I, I do think it would have been interesting to have tried a woman, actually. Um, I, I would have thought someone like Jaina Lumley would have, uh, would have been quite interesting as a, as a female doctor. Um, but we, we won't know. Maybe next time. But I, having said that, I think Peter Capaldi's great. I've always loved him. I mean, the night before they announced it, I was watching Local Hero. Have you seen that? No. Ah, lovely film from the 80s. I mean, it's one of his earliest. I think, was it Gregory's Girl was his first one, I think? And Local Hero was after that. Um, and he plays this really kind of wet, um, like colleague of this, um, oil company, uh, executive that comes over from America. And, you know, you see, see Peter, oh, <laughs> that's the, that's the guilty thought detector. So yes, yeah, so, so Peter Capaldi in Local Hero was a was a great it was, it was a great way of seeing him. It was just the way he runs in that is it's, it's fantastic. And then um, you got things like The Thick of It, which is incredibly good, and uh, Torchwood, which you know mm. the last season of went a bit off rails, but the one before um, it started off as this kind of um, a little bit sort of tacky, a little bit cringy, kind of uh, trying to be too adult kind of show. And then by the third season, they went to this, like, trying to tell one story over five episodes. And it was brilliant. And, I, and it was in one week. They showed yeah, the whole thing over one week. Yeah, which was every great. weekday night. And, and Peter Capaldi has a character in there, which is a little bit similar to Thick of It in that he's a sort of civil servant. But um, the acting 
is amazing. And I watched it again just recently after the um, the announcement that he's going to be the Doctor, because there are these scenes where he talks to what's called the four five six, this alien yeah, that invades, the and it's you know he's so convincing, and it's really chilling watching him. So I I just think you know everything that he's done. I've loved, and I think uh, it's going to be great to have someone like that in there. Someone older with gravitas and, you know, I mean, I've loved Matt Smith too, but yeah, looking forward to Peter Capaldi. No, I've really liked Matt Smith. I mean, I've liked them all so far, but I think that it's going to add an interesting new dimension to it that we haven't had for a while. Mm. Um, and there might be a little bit less running around um, and sonic screwdriver yeah it's the running around and the kind of running away well running away or walking away slowly from explosions which there's a lot of that you know it'd be nice to have to rely on explosions less as a plot I, were, I watched I can't remember I caught it now I think it might have been on telly at some point not too long ago and I was watching an old Tom Baker episode and it was the last one and do you remember how they used to do it in the old days where they'd do like one big story over you know six or eight weeks or something mm. half an hour yes yeah. so this was the last episode of the culmination of six or eight weeks and it had it all came down to the fact that um, whoever these were these aliens were chasing Tom Baker through a set of tunnels underground. You know, your typical kind of chicken wire and polyfoam tunnels. Yeah. And they get, to, they run through, and oh, oh my god, they get to the end of the tunnel, and there's a cliff. There's a sheer drop heading straight down. And what do you do? Well, of course, you. The Doctor goes one side, the companion goes the other side. They stretch John Pertwee's scarf, yeah. uh, Tom Baker's scarf, across the thing. <laughs> And the, they, the monsters trip up and they fall down. And that's it. Like, she, you couldn't have done that five weeks ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you do feel that a lot when you go back over the old episodes because they were, what, sort of 25 minutes long each. And you, part of that 25 minutes is that you get a recap from the last episode as well. So it's even, you know, slightly less. Uh, and some of these stories did feel a bit drawn out. Whereas now, we were into these sort of 45 minute episodes. Like the last season, there wasn't even any two parters. So you've got to tell the whole story in 45 minutes. And often the problem is that it just feels rushed. And at the end of the story, you just felt, oh, well, that was resolved very quickly. It's a little bit unsatisfying, I think. And I'd, I'd love to see them do something, you know, just got like an hour even would just be enough to, just to make it longer. But of course, they're, they're trying to keep it to that time because it means they can sell it to America and put adverts in between it. Um, you know, so it's never going to be an hour. Mm. Oh, well, we'll see. I am looking forward to it. Come the 50th anniversary, it's going to be great. Yeah, and not that long, actually. Month after next. Uh, November 23rd, yeah. just after my birthday. And we're handheld the week after that. So uh, it uh, means we can go to the Doctor Experience the week after oh. the uh, the celebrations. That'd be Ooh. good. That sounds perfect. Yeah. You know, we should um, we should talk about business oh, for a bit. Yes, yes. It's what people tune in for, apparently. Um, <laughs> right. But before we do that, um, I need to tell you about our sponsor this week. It's Blush, the letterpress printers. Blush provide beautiful letterpress printing for designers and artists. I mean, their print shop's incredible. I love it. And even though it's just a few minutes from my house, Mark and his people, they work with customers all over the world. Have you used Blush for anything? I haven't, no, but I will do now. You should. They're great. On one hand, Blush, blush print on beautiful hand-engineered machines. Mm. They've had all their printing presses rebuilt, so although they're old, um, they're still like new. Oh, fantastic. And uh, they even make their printing plates in-house as well, which is great. And one of the things I like about them is how they blend ink and oil and pixels in everything that they do. And it's this mix of the old and the new and the fact that I think designers really want something traditional mm. um, but modern. Um, that's really helping this letterpress printing revival. Yeah, yeah. So blush print business cards and limited edition posters, Christmas cards and personalized stationery all on beautiful paper that they source all over the world mm. you should look at the blog yes um, for yeah. some of the things that that they've done recently and if you're new to letterpress they'll help you and advise you at every stage of the project and they'll even tweet photos of your project being printed which is great oh, uh, they call that letterpress live so 
You can follow them on Twitter at Blush Publishing or look out for the hash letterpress live hashtag. And this week, they're offering a 20% discount on custom business card printing if you order during September. If you order using the promo code Unfinished Business Cards. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Yes. So <laughs> go to blushpublishing.co.uk slash unfinished and find out more very nice no they are great they are really really good lovely people to work with as well yeah i think it's people are wanting something tactile and warm and you know pixels are great but they don't really exist well you know those um five simple steps bookmarks the black ones Mm -hmm. yeah blush made those ah nice yeah i have one of those the uh did you ever get like a i think it was a font deck uh beer mat from rich oh, rutter yes and that was them as well yep they made those too oh, i think i know what i'm gonna do with my new business cards <laughs> <laughs> no they are really good last time i did business cards done was 2007 um really out of date so I could do with getting some and I, I do that classic mistake of when I buy them you know, I think oh yes 5,000 of course I'll need as much as that and you know um, 4,998 later <laughs> you know, we, I still got them we did that with those lovely microfiber cloths you know the ones that we did for the yes, workshops yeah and you know Sue had this idea that we wanted to have something nice to give away mm. Um, and we thought, what a good idea. We'll, we'll have some really nice microfiber cloths made up and we'll have them sized so that they fit inside your Mac laptop. Ah, um, nice. So that, and you, you close it, keeps all the donuts and cigarette ash and stuff <laughs> off the screen. <laughs> yes. Right? Anyway, so you try and buy those things. You, we wanted them branded as well. So we ended up getting them made in China and the minimum order was 5,000. <laughs> Oof. So yeah. we've got something in the region of about 4,970 <laughs> of them left. Okay, yeah. There's a box in our storage unit. Could you use them as tissues, as like high luxury tissues? I have to confess that there has been occasions when I've been <laughs> sat at my desk and I've had a bit of a nasty sneeze. <laughs> and you felt the luxury when you did it. That, that wasn't any kind of like fall apart paper tissue, that was... Such a waste. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're going to probably set up a little Shopify store and, uh, yes. and try and sell them uh, on because they are actually really nice. Yeah. They're not the sort of thing that you can buy in the shop. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I think that's a good, very good idea. Get moving on it. Let's talk about some business stuff. Business, yes. So you, you've worked on web design projects. I don't know whether you still do much web design. Not much, actually, no. Um, but, but I remember you doing quite a bit back in the day. Oh, I did, I did. Um, and obviously more recently you've done a lot more icon design projects, graphic design projects. Yeah, yeah. So what are the differences between how you'd approach a web design client as opposed to a graphic design client? I mean, what's what, what are the differences? <sighs> to be honest, I, I don't have any kind of different approach um, the, the one place where I do have a different approach is when we're looking at things like logo design. Um, usually with projects, you get a kind of a, a, a good rough kind of like boundaries. So you got, you got a scope and you kind of think, okay, well, I think it'll take this long. I'll build in this much time for things like meetings, iterations, that kind of thing. And, you know, over the years, I've got better at that. And that's, that's, that's become pretty much right. So, you know, no matter what the sort of type of project, that kind of works. But with logos, it's, it's difficult because you can, like, for example, recently I had a logo project and we hit upon the, the right solution within the first couple of rounds. Um, and then we just spent another round refining it and it was done. Um, then there are things like uh, one I did some years ago, which uh, went into 15 iterations before we hit on something that they liked. Um, and that's that's a really hard thing to sort of um, not only to, to, to estimate, but also to, um, to charge for as well. Do you bill it by the day in that case? Well, I, I tend to sort of bill generally by the day. 
and kind of working out chunks of days because anything less than a day really, you know, it's not really worth worth doing. Um, it's I'm trying to think of a good way of explaining it. I think basically what I do is sort of say, okay, well, this is um, this is what I think it'll take. Uh, this is the estimate for that much, um, but. Um, there's a chance with this that it could be less, a chance it could actually go on to be a lot more. Um, so I think the best way to do that with client is as long as they understand that and I give them plenty of warning. So if we're getting sort of near, so usually you might say, okay, this, this will give you, um, six rounds of iterations. Um, but then again, it's, it's hard to judge that because sometimes an iteration you might do might be very quick. Uh, maybe sort of very quick ideas, or it might be a long sort of uh, more in depth kind of polishing kind of um, stage of the project. So it's it's a little bit fluid, really, and there's no kind of hard and fast rules about it, really. Other than just generally over the years, that's kind of worked out okay. Is sort of saying, you know, this is what I think it'll be, but this is a, a range of what it could end up being. Um, yeah, we've been quite. We've been trying to work on this, obviously, for a long time. Um, so the current thinking is that we break things down into weekly packages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Packages of time. Because, you know, very little in terms of, you know, a, a web design project takes less than a week. Yeah, true. You know, whether yeah. it's, you know, this section or this bit of development mm. or whatever. So, but we make it quite clear that it's an estimate. And we say, you know, we think that it's going to take this amount of time. And nine times out of ten... It does. And, you know, if, if something doesn't, if, if something takes a little bit longer than we perhaps estimated, then, you know, that can either be because we haven't worked quick enough or, you know, we stumbled across a problem that, you know, like today when I, you know, a server went down on me. Yeah. Um, so that took a little bit of time to catch up. Well, I'm not going to charge a client extra for that. Yes, exactly. But, yeah. But when they, but, but, but if they start kind of throwing extra things in or, you know, it obviously becomes, um, because there's maybe a change to what we estimated for. Um, we're at, I've actually started putting the daily rate um, at the bottom of the quotation. So, you know, if we're outside of that, then we'll, then, then things will carry on on a daily rate. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. But I actually, I haven't had to use that. Oh, that's good. So far. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's especially, this is where I find it's the, it's the most kind of uh, vague is with logo design because the client doesn't always necessarily know what they want. And from being in that position myself, you know, I'm not sure if I hired someone to do my logo, how I would brief it in order to get the right, you know, the right effect out of someone. So it's, it, you can't necessarily blame it on either the designer or the client. Um, no. it's, it's just one of these processes that I think the only way to do it is iteration, you know, is, is, trying different directions and um and talking them over um and not just sort of going for the one that they think looks nice and uh, fortunately a lot of them recently have been like well the most successful ones have actually been kind of almost like redesigns so like mailchimp for example you know they already had a chimp logo um all they wanted to do was develop that into a a more of a three-dimensional character um, same happened with Woo themes and Shopify and that kind of thing. It's, it, there's already something existing and it's more, uh, you know, they know the direction they want to go. They just wanted something sort of cleaner or, you know, something more dynamic. So, um, it's the other type that there are the hard ones to estimate. I noticed that you put on the website. Um, please note, we are not taking on any mascot type work at the moment. Yes. <laughs> so you don't want to draw any more apes? No. <laughs> or animals or, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I do enjoy doing them, but, um, as a, as a business, they're, they're not really viable as a, you know, a, I can't survive on doing mascot designs and just generally, you know, for variety. Uh, it's nice not to have to do them. I did, I did kind of what I've called my last one this year. Um, I did one for an American startup called Rate Pig. And then, (laughs) (laughs) and then I've done one for, um, a charity called Calvin's Kids, uh, in America. Um, this is lady, uh, Rachel, who uh, has trained, uh, dogs to help in the rehabilitation of children who are having to go through, you know, um, 
life-changing operations. Um, and that was the one I, I finally decided, okay, I think, you know, I'm not going to do any more mascot designs, but I'll do this one. And that'll be, a, you know, a free project. That'll be a volunteer thing because, you know, it was a golden retriever and, um, I kind of felt, you know, a, kind of a certain affinity to this particular charity. So, um, yeah, uh, that's my last one. <laughs> I've got Josh Cleland working on something secret uh, yes. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Yes, luckily I didn't want to come to you. I didn't need to come to you for apes. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Probably give, yeah, yeah, of course. giving more away than I wanted to give away. <laughs> so, t- t- talking of talking of filters, then on the website, you put your day rate on the website. Yeah, um, which isn't something that I think a lot of people are willing to do. So no, no. How does that go down? It uh, it goes down two ways. First of all, it is a filter, and it does mean that I don't get. Um, inquiries generally from people who, um, have only got 30 quid to make a logo or an icon set. Um, it does still happen, but dramatically reduced. Um, the main thing really on that, that page is more my status and to sort of letting people know how far ahead I'm booked. Um, and it, it saves me having to write back to people and saying, I'm really sorry, but I don't have capacity until this time. Um, but it also causes this problem, you know, as in with, with, with the, putting the prices up, is that people will, you know, look at you and make a judgment. You know, they'll say, well, that's very expensive for a freelancer. Or, um, you know, generally, you know, make sort of value judgments based on that. But um, it, it is slightly embarrassing. Um, I haven't put my rates up for a couple of years. Um but you know, obviously that's something I, I will do probably next year, um, just gently. But, uh, it's, it, it, it's basically being up front. I used to do it that people, when people emailed me, I then sent them some details, which then told them my day rate, at which point they would go, ah, no, we can't do that. Um, and I think it's sort of better for, it wastes the client's time less mm-hmm. as much as wasting my time. It's, it's for them as much that, they know, you know, this is going to be a minimum for a project. Um, and it is helpful because some people say, we've looked at the rates, that's fine. Um, we looked at the availability and that's fine too. So, which is great because you, you, from the first inquiry, you know, brilliant. Okay. Well, that's, that, that's those problems out of the way. So let's talk. Uh, let's see what we can do. Yeah. I haven't quite got as far as putting the day rate on there because we charge slightly different things for who's involved. Yes. And, and you say you do more like week blocks as well, which is yeah. bigger projects as well. So, and sometimes it's just me and sometimes it's me and the new Sue, the designer that I work with now, mm. um, which is good. So we actually put, we used to some placeholder text on the web form, which just says <laughs> EG, um, it's your budget. And then EG placeholder text, 15 grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, but we still get ones coming through that you know I've got twelve hundred and fifty quid. Yeah. Can you can can you build me a, a store? Which is fine. Mm. You know, I, I don't. Well, I'd, I'd rather point people in. I don't mind getting the the inquiries like that yeah. because you know I'll 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 send back an email uh, explaining that you know why that budget isn't sufficient and mm. you know sometimes I'll suggest people that you know that might be yeah and it's not a snobbish it. thing is it it's just a case of you know some people might just be a local business who have been told that they need a big website whereas actually in fact what they need is almost like a, a sort of business card they want something that says you know opening times and contact details and a map and address um, you know, some kind of presence like that, and they don't need a big website uh, or a no, CMS. Sometimes they'll they'll come to you and they'll you know want a you know a, a brand new shiny kind of self-installed e-commerce system. Mm. Um, whereas actually, you know, to be honest, Shopify would do better yes. to suit a lot of needs. Yeah, um, and you know, perhaps that's more affordable as well. So mm. um, you know, as long as you can point people in the right direction, I don't mind getting the. Yeah, I don't mind doing the emails. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I, the only thing with emails is always the problem of, you know, if you get quite far into an email conversation and then find out that they haven't the, the budget or actually what, no. actually what they're wanting isn't something that you can supply. I remember a job no. some years ago that um, someone wanted a, a logo design and they pointed to something that I had done as, you know, I'm, I'm hiring you because this logo is good. 
Um, going down the route of this this logo, what they actually needed was someone who was a almost like a classical engraver. You know, a real kind of specialized skill. They wanted this sort of seal type design. Um, and I had to come back to them and say, well, you know, you know what? You've, you've really chosen the wrong person and, you know, we should have found this out earlier. Um, but it didn't occur until, you know, quite a few iterations of this logo where he would keep telling me that it was rubbish and <laughs> do it again. Yeah. And, you know, it took a bit of, bit of teasing out of him what he wants, he wanted. And, yeah. I've got a line that I kind of, a text expander snippet, actually, which I kind of just drop into a reply email. It says, go away. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it says, our projects typically start at around £5,000. Mm-hmm. Um, if that meets your expectations, then I'd be happy to talk to you, and then we can prepare a full estimate. Yes. And yeah. that way, you then, then you'll get somebody coming back to say, um, you know, oh, no, that was a little bit more than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been quoted 1500 quid so thanks for your time and you know that's the end of that and at least they go away thinking that you know they had a good experience even if they're not working with you yes yeah exactly yeah you don't want to it's a difficult one to, to, come, to come across right and I think the way you've worded it is brilliant um, because it can come across sometimes a little bit kind of snobbish mm-hmm. as in oh you're too small for me you know it's you want to be able to say you know this is the kind of work we normally do um uh, you know, and I don't think we're a good fit. It's finding funny words that that basically say it nicely and not come across as you know, you know, you're too small for me. Mm. So here's, here's a question. Yes, <laughs> I know because we Anna and I we've been doing a few shows about contracts. Okay, mm-hmm. based on the the contract killer thing. Yeah, that I wrote about all those years ago, and one of the sticking points often in that default contract which we have to change quite a lot um is the issue of copyright and who owns the copyright to the design ah yeah Mm. and we have this standard clause in there which says that you own the copyright of everything that you've given us obviously um but we own the ensemble that is the design Mm. everything put together yeah and we license it to you indefinitely for free, um, but for just this one project. And it's basically designed so that they can't go, oh, well, I think I'm going to make 10 e-commerce stores off this one thing that they've paid you for. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the reason why it's there. And most of the time, uh, people just let that go. Um, and, Sometimes we explain it and then they let it go. And sometimes, no, they want to, you know, they, they, they want to make sure that they have copyright, which is fine. And we don't charge anything more for it. We just write them a little letter that says, you know, once you've paid all of the invoices, then yeah. you own the copyright. Off you go. Yeah, right? Exactly. But I know when I hired Josh to illustrate for the site, he definitely, definitely owns the copyright of those images. Okay. And he's licensing them to me because the fee, you know, the fee that he charges me, um, he's just licensing them to me for the site. So I can't go off and make T-shirts out of them yeah. and sell yeah. them for, you know, sell, sell the characters that he's designed for a million quid. Right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not the license. Yeah. And likewise, could he then go ahead and, and sell br- branded socks, for example? With those no, characters. I think it's, I think, it, I can't need to look at the contract, but it, I think it's a reciprocal. Oh, that's good. Now, okay. Yeah, so, brilliant. I, mean, I used, I mean, I don't, I use them on the invoices and paperwork as well, yeah. which is stretching it a bit. <laughs> right. Um, but he, he doesn't listen to the show, so it doesn't matter. You're right. Um, <laughs> to listen. Anyway, but here's, here's the thing. How does it work with icons? Who owns the, who owns the icon? and the logo that you designed for me. Yeah, see, that's the difficult thing. Normally with my work, um, I have quite a sort of similar uh, clause to you in that I basically say, once you've paid, uh, you have all the copyright, but we retain the rights to use it in promotion. So, for example, if I want to show it on the website, I can do that without having to ask you permission. Um, But, you know, if this is a designer done for you and you've paid for it, then that's fine. All copyright goes to you. Um... With icons, it's a little harder because what you're tending to deal with is often, um, you know, publicly recognized symbols or conventions, things that you can't, um, copyright very easily. Um, 
take for example, I've got just a, a, a couple of projects, one for ANZ Bank in Australia, and I'm just finishing one for Cochlear, also in Australia. Um, and both of these are icon sets, and both of them require very similar things. So, for example, both of them had a, an icon for phone. So if they wanted an icon to represent a you know, phone number or where to access the phone details, this is the icon they would use. Um, so I very um, deliberately made each of those phone icons quite different. Um, I mean, often you get kind of a slight style choice, like, you know, slightly rounded corners or whatever, um, or outlines that kind of makes it different anyway. But it tends to be there was something like this, like a phone. You think, well, you know, the most clear and the most concise and the best way to do it is the classic, you know, old fashioned handset of, of a phone. Mm. Um, so copywriting these things can be quite hard and, I, I was basically just trying as much to make sure that if somebody from either company saw the other icon set, they couldn't look at it and say, well, you've nicked that from ours. Um, mm. But it's a very grey area. And um, it's, you know, again, I signed the copyright over to the, the client who's paid for it. Um, but with icons that generally are reused and you don't, you know, it, it's best not to try and come up with your own, um, your own metaphor just for the sake of it, you know, just to be different because it just, it, that's not what icons are for. Uh, but in, in the sense of the one I did for you, that's a logo. So it's unique. Um, it's, it's very much your identity. Um, and it's not something I can use. <laughs> Let's face it, you know, it's, it's the wrong letters for a start. Um, so, you know, in that case, you know, you have the copyright for that. Yeah, and I'm going to talk to Josh in a few weeks, probably yeah, touch on mm. this sort of stuff as well. Because I think with, with illustrators, I mean, I remember when we dealt with Kevin Cornell, um, when I dealt with him for, you know, some old illustrations on the website. And um, more recently, he painted the cover for Hardboiled. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. And we had a very, very specific license agreement with him. Um, and... The first contract was only for the book cover, and that was it. We couldn't use it for anything else. It was only ever for the book cover. Um, and then when we decided that we wanted to actually do some limited edition posters that went out with the first, you know, few hundred copies. Yes, I have one of those. I've got, actually, I'll give you one. I've got a few rolled, unfolded ones, if you use. Yeah, I, I think yours must well, have come I got, I got two, actually. I got a rolled one when I went over to uh, see Mark and the team oh, and okay. i got a folded one in my my edition so got that's two. good well we had to get an extension to our license agreement to be able to print those posters ah, right so it wasn't just i mean we had the artwork we could just you know scaled it put it in cork and you know boom it would have been printed mm. but you know we we had a different license agreement and i know that illustrators work a lot like that but we don't seem to do that much on the web it's like okay when you've paid it's yours yeah exactly um Again, it's very grey areas and a very sort of different product. Because I remember when I, I used to work in publishing and, you know, when we dealt with illustrators, that was very much the same kind of uh, licence um, in the sense that, you know, they didn't want us to go ahead and create a character, you know, based on the, uh, one illustration that they've done and make millions from merchandising, um, which does happen. You know, some people do that and they've, you know, especially if they're starting out, they'll sign over rights for everything and... They can be kind of shafted for it, really. Um, but it's, 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 it's more to do with mutually beneficial um, and, and getting it in writing first, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm quite happy with the, with the way that I structure it at the moment. I, don't, I never would... I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the same thing twice. I mean, yeah, I'll use the same code blocks twice. Yeah. But I wouldn't yeah. just take, you know, one kind of design and shrink wrap it over the top of something else. No. Um, so it rarely applies. I don't know. Maybe I should relax it a little bit. Well, I don't know. I, it, it does work. And it's a different thing. It's a very different kind of product. Um, it's difficult. Again, could someone look at a website you've done and say, well, actually, the way you've designed that form is very much like the form you did for me, you know, two years ago. Um, it's, it's, there are these sort of elements that get reused, like icons, really. Don't don't all forms look the same anyway? Well, yeah, exactly. They should do. They should. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, maybe not a good example. <laughs> Anna, Anna wanted me to ask you. Oh yeah, about the Rissington podcast <laughs> yeah. that you used to do with John yeah, Hoxton. Yeah, and she she wants you to do it again. I, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's really nice because it was one of these things that we just did. You know, this was what we this was our kind of day to day conversations anyway when we shared an office. Uh, back in Rissington and we just ended up recording some of them and you know packaging it as a podcast because we thought it was quite fun and it was we were learning to do things like edit in garage bands and those kind of things but we managed 20 um and then uh, we sort of stopped sharing offices and John got a job in London moved over there um so we've not been sharing but people have kind of keep mentioning it and I've got to say it's really good for the ego because it's something that you think it was a bit crap and a bit, you know, wasn't, wasn't a bit, bit long-winded and, you know, it was real kind of trying to edit it down to something listenable. But the fact that people did listen to it and, 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 and even now keep coming back and saying, oh, when are you going to get back together? Um, which I don't think is going to happen, but it's, um, it's just nice that people do mention it and, you know, and, and do want it. So. What happened to the site and all the audience? Ah, well, what happened to the site was a really bad host called Segment Publishing. Um, I, I've now uh, rescued all the, the the archive of all the actual episodes, and I'm going to try and transfer it to my current host. Uh, but basically, he changed um, a server configuration. Uh, the database got corrupted. Uh, it affected a couple of other sites as well. Um one of them being Pimp My Camino, which is Ooh, going back a bit, but it was a shame because it was, you know, it was kind of working okay until, you know, I mean, the recent um, uh, decision to end Camino sort of doesn't matter too much. But, um, yeah, I, I, I begged him, you know, several times to, to fix it, and every time I'd get a letter saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I know what's wrong, I'll, I'll get onto it and fix it. Um but because I couldn't, it was corrupt and I couldn't access the database myself. And also because stupidly kids, uh, didn't back up my database, uh, at least not, you know, recently enough. I couldn't then easily just transfer it somewhere else. Um, so there's a lesson there. Always take it regular, take regular dumps. Of course. But yes, yeah, yeah, that that was the problem with that. So I'm going to try and revive it. So at least there's an archive out there of, um, cause it's actually one of the first kind of, well, kind of parallax sites, I guess, in that, that when you resize the window, the, the Spitfire went along the runway. Yeah, no, I remember, I remember how you did that. And I used to like, <laughs> I used to like Risington because it had this kind of, if this was before every bugger did podcasts. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was like you and Boag mocked, locked in mortal combat. <laughs> yeah. But actually, who'd win in a fight? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was just a case of, um, Boag world was, was, it was kind of serious. You know, it was meant, meant mm. to inform and it did it well. Uh, we weren't meaning to inform at all. Uh, we were out there to mislead and misguide and, and, and generally talk crap. So it was, we were kind of like the two extremes, you know, two sides of the coin. Um, and it was a shame we never happened actually, because it was just before we, we finished that, um, we were trying to get together to do a joint podcast. Um, but it was, it ended up that John got the job in London, moved away and it just didn't happen. So it was a shame actually. It would have been nice to end it on that. Yeah, it would have been fun. Yeah. I tell you what, do you remember the hilarious Fergus Weber <laughs> persona? What, why are you bringing this up now? Is there some kind of link well, to no, Because, because you know. I, I still, I still, I mean, I think back to Risington and I still think before then to, to Fergus Weber, right? Yeah. I'll, ha- I'll put a link in the show notes yeah. for anybody because they're not going to know what the hell we're talking oh, about. Those are the days. Yeah. But for, for, for anybody not around at the time, Fergus Weber was, he was made up. He was a parody web design troll. Yeah. That's the best yeah, way that I can troll, describe definitely. him. The trollest of trolls. And, and the thing I liked about Fergus was the fact that he was so merciless <laughs> to people like me and, me, and yeah. you <laughs> that were speaking and blogging and stuff at the time, yeah. right? But, he was never, he was never nasty. He was never spiteful. It was, it was you got, you just, got close. 
there was one. I remember. I remember one day getting one evening, and I forget what time it was now, but it was fairly late in the evening. And I get this email, and I didn't really know who what this was. Oh yes, yeah. Um, and I get this email, and I bash off a quick reply. Anyway, ten minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> Fergus Weber had this blog post. Yeah, check out the link I'll put in the show notes. But oh, yes, he yeah. said, the thing, 10 minutes ago, I sent out an email to Molly Holson, <laughs> Dougal, Dougal Bowman, John Hick, Mark Lee, Dan Siderhouse, and Graham Bumfluff. Who was that? Who was Graham Bumfluff? Graham Bancroft. Oh, that was yeah. it. Is he still yes, around? Yes, he is. Yeah, he's working the canonical now, I think. Oh, right. Hello, Graham. And he said, and I'm still waiting for a reply. It's unbelievable how these people are so great, yet they can't reply to me straight away. <laughs> and I said, yes. Uh, it, it was it was fantastic, because I, I, I replied, and then shortly after I replied, I started to twig that, hang on, I think I know who this is. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say if anyone actually, you know, hasn't got yet, you know, or didn't remember who it was, but it it was fantastic. And it's, it was. I, I, I didn't do the same, quite the same thing myself, but I did it for a few people, like, um, just out of interest to see how they would respond. Like, if I was the client, how do other designers, you know, if I put this obviously crap, you know, question, like, basically, I want Facebook for £20 um, to other people, how, what would their reactions be? So I did that for a few people, and I, I used the pseudonym to enter a, a competition that Collie did years ago, which was for, uh, it was some kind of like CSS standards logo, right. and I thought, I'll do this, but I'm going to enter into a pseudonym, and I'm glad I did, because it didn't win, obviously, and uh, it was it was pretty much slated, so <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm safe under my pseudonym, that's good. <laughs> oh dear. So there was a post that Fergus wrote. And I get, I'll put a link in the show notes because Fergus, he always, one of the things about this Fergus Weber guy was that he always spelled things wrong yeah. in a funny way. Anyway, what the post was how to handle a web designer. Yes. <laughs> I was looking at one This now, was yeah. that <laughs> classic, classic <laughs> post. And it, he's got this whole list of things that you need to do to a web designer. So, you know, first of all, so you can get it cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> when he does give you a price for building your website, so you can get it cheaper, even if he offers to do it for £20, <laughs> so you can get it for £5. <laughs> yeah. So he offers to do it for £20. It's, 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 it's the fact that it's, it's all over case. It's, there's, there's very few only full stops. It's a real kind of rant. You can kind of almost imagine someone shouting it, you know. Even, I even love this. I love this. Think, things to do the day before you launch your website. And he says, this is so much fun. You'll love it. Before the day you launch your website, email lots of changes and add some new content. Do this in a Word document and maybe an Excel one. And put lots of colors. Put it in tables and stuff. Just make it really messy. Web designers hate that. Yeah. Also... Also, put in lots of spelling mistakes in the text and then phone up the web designer and tell him the site's full of spelling mistakes. <laughs> yeah. With this done, your web designer is pretty much crushed and serves him bloody right for bothering you in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I it, it, it is genius. And I'm, yeah. I, 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 the day, we need, we need the, the day after, this is the best bit, the day after your website launch, she says, most importantly, make good comments to begin with. Build your web designer up. Make him feel good, but have your special friend at the ready. <laughs> your, your special friend shall have something to do with computers. It doesn't matter what. Hardware bloke, or maybe he just works in a shop where they use computers a lot. Have your friend do a site critique, especially for the web designer. He says, be sure to tell your special friend to say things like, we have no meta keywords, why can't I find it on search engines, and it doesn't work really in Netscape 4. Yes. Yeah, Netscape 4. Uh, it just, oh. thing is, we kind of could do with Fergus Weber coming back, because there is a lot of earnestness um, in the industry, and it kind of it does turn me off a little bit. People being quite serious and earnest about things, and um, we need something like this to sort of you know just to shake it up a little bit again. But yeah, it's, ah, I love yeah, it. It is a classic, and it's I'm glad it's still there. I, I didn't realise actually until you emailed it to me today that that actually that 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 blog um, spot um, blog is still up there. So brilliant! It is. It's genius. I think people are really going to like it. Hey, you know what? What's that? We're out of time. Oh, no. I oh, know. 
So, listen, mate, thanks so much for, for spending yeah, an hour. That's been great. I can't think of anything I'd also like to do better on a Friday afternoon. Will he come on again? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to stop it. I, I, I won't even do my Kenneth Williams impression. I'm sorry. Yes, I would love to. Oh, no. <laughs> come again. Oh, no, that's more. Um, yes, I would love to. I really would. It, uh, it's, it's great. And I'd like to do it live as well. I'd like to do it in front of a, a, a nice log fire and us both in leather armchairs with a glass of port, that kind of thing. I'm really glad you said armchairs. <laughs> <laughs> In leather harnesses, <laughs> a roaring fire. Yes. Right. Enough. Cool. Enough. You should. You should follow John on Twitter at Hicks Design. And if you haven't picked up a copy of the Icon Handbook, you really should. Yes, it's uh, great. Five simple steps. Treat yourself. <laughs> nice. One. You know you're worth it. Um, all the links we mentioned in this episode, such as they are, are in our show notes. You'll find them at unfinished.bz slash 36. That's the number 36. And to ask questions and suggest topics, you can message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. Uh, thanks again to this week's sponsor. That's Blush, beautiful letterpress printing of cards, stationery, and more for designers and artists. See you next week. Definitely. Bye-bye.